What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Thursday, April the 13th, 2023. It's episode 156 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, YouTube, Search bar Matt Burney or show. You'll get this episode along with the 154 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, leave comments. Constructive criticism is always welcome. Things you'd like to hear more of, less of, um, whatever it may be. Beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Uh, this week, not in a car for the first time in a few weeks. Uh, I am in a little house in Lexington, Kentucky, and I will be here right up until the week leading into, or I should say the week of, the Kentucky Derby, when I will transition to a hotel in Louisville. But I'm here for the final three weeks of the Keeneland meeting for FanDuel TV. Work the early shift today, early shift coming up tomorrow on Friday, early shift on Saturday. Don't know what the schedule is for Sunday just yet. Still debating, but inclined to play in the grade one gamble on Saturday afternoon. Looks like the weather is going to hold off. Uh, if you are interested, I would encourage you to head over to Keeneland.com, get all the info. You can also email Jim Goodman if you have any kind of uh, questions. And this is a completely unsolicited thing, but this is as good a contest as there is from a live money standpoint. $3,500 buy-in, 1000 of the prize pool, all of that's paid back, 2500 to play with. So... Uh, again, this is an unsolicited sort of pump, but we love the folks at Keeneland. They treat everyone well in horse racing, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking I might might have to get involved if I'm going to be here. This week's show, it's going to be a little bit loose in terms of actually the nuts and bolts of the handicapping, but knowing that the Lexington is still going to be run on Saturday, and there's a chance that disarm... I guess there's other horses in there, in theory, that could get enough points. But Disarm is the big name, who could improve his position and get into the top 20 for the Kentucky Derby. I don't really want to go into that too, too much, knowing that the field could change significantly. And you can say that about the Oaks, too. But I have given the Phillies short shrift for a number of weeks now. So my thought is to go through the list of 14. Now, acknowledging that You've got a number of bubble boys for the Derby. You've got a number of bubble girls for the Derby, or excuse me, for the Oaks, and they're big names too. Uh, I was listening to uh, Craig Milkowski and David Aragona, and they alluded to it as well. Wonder Wheel is on the outside looking in. Julia Shining, who's your Philly punch bowl. I mean, th- these are all big names that currently are not in the body of the field. So I'm only going to go through the top 14 who are currently scheduled to go to the post for the Kentucky Oaks the first Friday in May. But I'm going to do it. I know what a number of them look like, but I'm basically going to go horse for horse and just pull up the PPs and kind of ramble. Look at it and say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so isn't fast, but they've got big numbers and this, that, and the other. Sort of a rapid reaction. Just take a look. First thing that comes to your mind. What do the 14 girls look like? Coming into it, my sneaky suspicion is wet paint is just going to look 
that much better than everyone else, but I haven't looked, I haven't pulled any any PPs yet. So maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised as we go through this. But that's going to be this week's show. I'm up in the air if there'll be a show next week. There probably will be. And then there's probably going to be a week off leading into the Derby. And that week of Derby, I will have one final show. I don't even know if it'll be a full 30 minutes. It might just be a look at the Oaks and the Derby and do it earlier in the week just to get it out there for folks to, uh, you know, take in and do what they want with it. So that's just a sort of big picture look ahead as to what to expect from this pod over the next few weeks. And then week following the Derby, I will not have a show. I'll do a show leading into the Preakness, and then I'll probably have a couple weeks off because I'm not going to be working any days for FanDuel, more or less, for the month of May beyond the Derby. I think I'll do one, maybe two days during Preakness week, but beyond that, um, I've got some time off. So without further ado, let's rip through the 14 three-year-old Phillies that are scheduled to go a mile and an eighth the first Friday in May beneath the Twin Spires at Churchill Downs. This is currently your field for the Longines Kentucky Oaks. I'd started recording the first few horses and then uh, my wife and my kid FaceTimed. So for a good reason, I have to restart. I'm just going to go through three at a time, right in order. Wet paint at 170 down to the 14th runner, Mimi Cook. Excuse me, Mimi Kakushi, who, if I'm being completely honest, I don't even know who that is, so that'll be a quick one. Uh, those 14, you're not going to hear Wonder Wheel, you're not going to hear Julia Shining or Punch Bowl or anybody like that. Who's your Philly? Because they're on the outside looking in. So I'll take them three at a time, burn through them. Keep in mind, this is there's no chart work, there's no tape work, no none of that. I'm just pulling up their past performances in the daily racing form and giving you what I think just at first blush, and also kind of knowing a little bit of how some of these girls run. Uh, Something else that I have been a major sort of conversion to, I was always a fan of them, but now I'm using them a little more frequently. The thoroughgraph numbers are fantastic, but specifically, and I think it, it depends on how you look at things, not even the speed figures, which I think are good, but I've brought up in the past, you know, ground loss sometimes is not necessarily the end-all be-all. I'm more interested in the patterns. And I think the pattern piece to thoroughgraph is so valuable to see percentages and how likely trainers are to move a horse up off of consecutive efforts that are X, Y, and Z kind of thing. I think it's just been an invaluable piece. And I don't have the thoroughgraph numbers for all of these runners. I don't even have all the time form U.S. numbers because the most recent running line is usually stripped from the formulator numbers. So let's start with wet paint. I wasn't a full believer in her um, for a few reasons. She'd never won on a fast track. She's a deep closer. This, that, and the other. Well, she's never been defeated on the dirt. She won just as easily on a fast strip as she did on a wet track. She had paired up 83 buyer speed figures prior to the fantasy. She jumped up to an 89. I think that kind of says all you need to know about these girls right now. And that wet paint is likely to be odds on or close to it. Six to five, seven to five at worst. Or I should say at best, depending on how you look at it. Four to five, even money seems about right. And her career best buyer speed figure is an 89. This is not a fast group of horses. 
but I don't see anybody else in here that that merits real consideration for favoritism. And I do think that's another reason that it possibly plays into the idea that she could be as short as four to five because many of the other names right now are out of the race. So we'll talk about some of the other girls, but wet paint, I think she's head and shoulders right now, at least at, at first glance, above everyone else. She does need some pace, but a mile and an eighth looks like it's going to be her friend. We'll see. Maybe there's somebody that I'm going to really be taken by as we get closer and closer to the race. But, I mean, wet paint's just going to take a world of beating. I'm not stating anything new or brilliant. Affirmative Lady wins the Gulfstream Park Oaks after breaking her maiden two starts back. Both of the wins have come at Gulfstream, but she's run well elsewhere. She ran a good second behind Julia Shining in the Demoiselle. She ran behind Gambling Girl in the Busanda. We're going to hear about Gambling Girl later on. You know, a mile and an eighth isn't going to be a problem for this girl. It's just that she's fast. She's got a career-best fig of 81. And that came second time blinkers on, and she beat a bad bunch down in South Florida. A bunch that doesn't want to go this far. So if it is purely just a stamina test, yes, she certainly has a chance. She has a little bit of tactical speed. But then you have to start asking yourself, all right, she's got an 81 in her back pocket. Yeah, she'll get the jump on wet paint. But isn't wet paint just better? And I need to continue to stress that these are just views from 30,000 feet. These are not deep dives or anything like that. This is just at first blush. I look at Affirmative Lady. I see an 81 and then five buyers with not one of them eclipsing 70. I just have a hard time buying it. I need to keep my head on straight when talking about defining purpose. Because I loved her going into the Ashland. And I didn't put the ticket out, but I, I you know, I put out the pick on, on FanDuel TV over on TVG.com. And that's all well and good. Uh, but I had a, I singled her in a $10 pick three, concluding in this race, which came back like 7300 And the logic was very just plain and simple. And I'm not trying to make it sound like this is a, you know, a brilliant opinion, but really, when you go through and you take out those two wet track efforts at Oaklawn, other than that, she's been pretty good. You got a six-length win in the maiden score. She won that stake going two turns down at Oaklawn by more than five lengths, and she was really impressive that day. And then, all right, she's not great, but she ran third on a wet track in the Martha Washington behind wet paint. We know what wet paint has turned into. And oh, by the way, defining purpose was even money against wet paint. So I thought at least in the Ashland, the other girls, I think, were a lot more sizzle than steak. Um, having said that, I don't know if I love the way she's moving at the end of that Ashland when we're talking about a mile and an eighth at Churchill Downs. She needed the short stretch at eight and a half. Now she's going to get the entire stretch at nine. And I, I like her. I like her. I think she's got some ability. I just, I don't know if I'm thrilled with the, the thought of her trying to get an extra 16th of a mile, which doesn't sound like much. But when she needed the short stretch at eight and a half to get it done, 
I don't know if that necessarily bodes well for nine with a long stretch at Churchill. But she still might end up being a price. Let's look at the fairgrounds. Pretty mischievous, number four on this list. Here, here's the problem with pretty mischievous. She looks really good winning the Rachel Alexandra. She guts it out over Miracle. This is on the heels of handily defeating the Alice Look. And she defeats Hoosier Philly in the process in that Rachel Alexandra. She's never done anything wrong. She's getting better, this, that, and the other. Not only is she defeated in the Fairgrounds Oaks, but, but she she's really kind of dusted. She, she was never, ever winning that race when you watch and see how easily Southlawn, who we'll talk about in a minute, won. And I think it's a combination of fears for both Pretty Mischievous and Southlawn. And I guess the Alice Look, who has points. As much as I think the, the boys, Louisiana was the path, I think it's been pretty rough for the girls. So Pretty Mischievous needs to bounce back in a major way or prove that that Rachel Alexandra number is not way too high. But keep in mind, she tracked a snail's pace and was able to go on with it. Then all of a sudden, not only does she have to go and run someone down, but then she's got to deal with another filly who, in all likelihood, is just started, sort of kind of coming into herself. I, I don't know if I love the trajectory we're on with Pretty Mischievous. Now, you can say the same kind of thing as far as the class and who she's run against with Southlawn. The difference is Southlawn, uh, for the longest time, apparently had a breathing problem. They got that straightened out in the time that she was away from November to February. She comes back, she airs in that N1X, 86 buyer. Comes back, airs in the Fairgrounds Oaks, 86 buyer. Those of you that have listened for any length of time know that one of my favorite angles is paired up tops. I think it means that you've got a forward move coming. And if this girl genuinely just needed to breathe, which kind of important for a racehorse, if she just needed to breathe and they got that straightened out, tell me why she can't win this race. I'm not I'm not saying I'm picking her. But yeah, I'm, I mean, she's on the short list right now. How can she not be? She's run almost as fast as wet paint. She's paired up tops. The distance in that Fairgrounds Oaks, I know that was at eight and a half. I don't think she's going to have any issue going nine. Keep in mind, that was eight and a half at the Fairgrounds, which is a hell of a lot different than eight and a half at Keeneland. Keeneland, you get the short stretch. Fairgrounds, you got to run forever in a day, which is almost a carbon copy to Churchill Towns. I, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of positives for South Lawn, and that's not even factoring in any of the other numbers that may be out there. But you got to decide, man, did, did the group of girls that she was running against down in, in Louisiana, were they just a mess and she just beat a bad bunch? Or, well, two things can be true. She may have just beaten a bad bunch, 
but she's going the right direction. And she's going to get the jump on wet paint. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on South Lawn just yet. I, I think she's I think she's in with the puncher's chance to win this entire thing. And she might not even be I don't know. Well, maybe she is the second choice, just the way that everything is kind of unfolding, but put it this way. She's no shorter than seven to two, is she? Three to one, seven to two. On a horse that could be sitting on a career best effort, you could do worse. Promise her America. Talking about a filly that's going the right way. Now, she broke my heart last Saturday because I'm watching from my hotel room out at Santa Anita, out in Southern California. I'm watching the early races before I head up to the track. And I like Gambling Girl, who, again, we will talk about. I've brought her up twice already. And Gambling Girl, the logic was, again, very similar. She didn't like a wet track. She That wet paint form from the Honey Bee just continues to look better and better. And she's making this big move from the back of the pack, and she can't run down the 26 to 1 shot. And in my head, I'm like, oh, God. how Like, come on. You, you beat all the other big names in there, but you can't beat her? That's probably not giving this filly enough credit. Take out the career debut. Don't hold that against her. Her next three starts, she has taken those incremental steps forward that I like to see. She was still inching away at the end of the gazelle. And she was up close to the pace. She went 67 to 73 to 82. I'm not saying you're all of a sudden going to get another 9 or 10 point jump on figs. But if you do, that puts her into the low 90 range. And that makes her every bit as likely as anybody else in this field. So, again, maybe I was a little rash early on with Promise Her America, but Ray Handel's done a good job with her. She keeps getting better. And, you know, the New York form is always a little bit suspect this time of year, but maybe this is the kind of year where you can take advantage of that sort of thing because there are no superstars, maybe with the exception of wet paint. Promise Her America... I don't, I don't love her, but she just continues to get better and better, and maybe that's all you should be looking for in a year like this. Who is going to peak the first Friday in May? You should be looking for that any year, but especially in an instance like this where none of these girls are particularly fast. I also should have said this at the top, and hopefully uh, this gentleman is listening, and I didn't get his name, so I apologize here, but there was a fellow that came up from Wisconsin and was chatting with me earlier in the day before we started up on the set and uh, he just took some time was chatting we were going back and forth about hoops and horses and this that and the other and he said he listens to the show so and I know you're going to be there through the weekend so if you hear this tonight or Friday before you go home come back on over to the set I'm on early we'll shoot the breeze again I appreciate you listening and I appreciate everybody that listens but especially when folks come up and, and make a comment about the show uh, let's get back into the Phillies sheet of booty Sheeta Booty, Chad Brown. Uh, she's not bad. Don't know that I think she's that good. I think she was way over bet in that gazelle. Three to one when you consider she was going two turns for the first time, and not just two turns, a mile on an eighth against some other fillies that had proven themselves, albeit not in fast time, that the distance wasn't going to be the thing that got them beat. You were banking on Sheeta Booty moving forward in a big way. Maybe she still will. 
She made a big move toward the front and flattened out, but that's kind of the key to it, isn't it? She flattened out. I see practical joke, and the only practical joke off the top of my head that I'm looking at being like, hey, you know what? Mile and an eighth, mile and a quarter, no problem. Is practical move. I don't think Sheeta Booty is in the same camp. Um, maybe I'll like her more when I look at her some more, but just at first blush, uh, not not for me. And Tell Me No Lies was a filly that I really thought could grab a piece underneath in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Fillies, spice up your exotics if you were playing those. She's too close to a hot pace, flattens out. Comes back in the Santa Isabel, tries to run down Faza, can't do it. Comes back in the Santa Anita Oaks, tries to run down Faza, can't do it. Faza's not in the, the Oaks. She stayed with Baffert, and Baffert can't get points. And tell me no and tell me no lies. Can you tell it's been a long day? And tell me no lies has paired up 78s. In theory, prepared for a forward move. The problem is she's run seven times. And it take the debut out. Her six starts have resulted in buyers between 71 and 78. Even if she takes a step forward. Is it going to be significant enough to really threaten to win? I I just don't see it. Maybe underneath. But she would need to take such a monumental step forward and have the other girls either just stay level or even back up. She's not for me in this spot. The, the real X factor in the race is botanical. Because she is extremely fast for this crop. She's trained by Brad Cox. You look at the pedigree, again, without doing a deeper dive. Medallia Doro out of a Blaine mare. I think Daisy, her mom, was a dirt horse. I could be wrong off the top of my head. Yeah, You know, distance isn't going to be a problem for her. It's just how does she handle dirt? She's run six times. The first two starts were on turf. The next four were all on synthetic and all of them at turfway. And they all resulted in open-length victories, winning from on the lead and from rallying from off of it. But she has buyers of 90 and 91 in her back pocket, and if you are just purely a numbers player, as far as the buyers are concerned, maybe time form would say something different, maybe Thorograph will say something else. She's probably your pick. And I wonder if there's enough reluctance to buy into a horse that's never set foot, in the afternoon anyway, on the dirt, that she gets a little bit lost in the shuffle and she goes off at a price that she shouldn't go off at. When in reality, she may just be the best. Botanical is kind of the... I don't want to say she's the Derma Sotogake of the Oaks division. But like I could see her winning by three or finishing 10th. And I kind of think I could see the same for Dermasotogake in the Derby. Either winning emphatically or being nowhere. As always, let price be your guide. Dorth Vader. Fun horse, fun story. Get no impression that longer's better. Uh, shocked in the Devona Dale. Came back and bombed in the Gulfstream Oaks. I shouldn't say bombed. She just didn't get the distance. But... I don't see any reason why all of a sudden, if she can't get eight and a half at Gulfstream, why she's going to get nine at Churchill? 
I think there's ability. I just don't think she wants to go this far. Gambling girl. You know, draw a line through the honeybee, the wet track. She finished a good second behind a cult. She finished a good third behind Julia Shining and Affirmative Lady. Then she was well beaten in that New York Bread Stakes race that made the mist. But she's she's run good races. And she is incrementally getting better. And the distance isn't going to be the thing that gets her beat. I, I don't know that I think she's fast enough. I felt like not just because I bet her at 5-1. to one. I thought she should have won the Gazelle. And if I'm looking at it saying, well, you should have won the Gazelle, how can I back you again in four weeks' time to beat better horses? I guess it's one thing if she's 30-1. to one. Maybe she will be, actually. But I just, I don't know. The Gazelle leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I expected her to go by, and she just couldn't quite do it. But she is getting better, and I think distance is her friend which is something you can't say about all of the girls in this year's Oaks field. The Alice look, you know, kind of repeat what I was saying about the New Orleans form. More importantly, though, I think that Silver Bullet Day looks like the aberration of all aberrations. Strip that one race out of her past performances. She's just not that fast. She's a mid-70 kind of filly. She'll be the kind of horse that I... I have no problem saying right now. I don't need to do much more homework on her. If she wins, I loses. I loses. Jesus Christ. If she wins, I lose. Um, I just... I guess if you think that she can get back to the silver bullet day, but then when you take a look at who she ran against, Chop Chop, it's come back to be meh. Ayanuevo, meh. She couldn't cut it against the best in Louisiana, and I have reservations about how good the best in Louisiana actually are. The Alice look, not for me. The last two on the list currently, Flying Connection, who won the Sunland Park Oaks, and the filly from Dubai, Mimi Kakushi. I don't have much to add about either of them. They're ones I'd really want to go back and look at charts, see what they ran against. In all likelihood, they didn't run against much. In all likelihood, they didn't run all that fast. But we've said it with regard to the Derby field this year, and you can say it with regard to the Oaks field this year as well. Who is all that fast? What are you, what are you afraid of? What are you looking for? You're probably looking for something that's not there. The sooner you come to terms with the fact that these these aren't particularly fast horses at this stage, probably the better. We didn't go over the boys because they've still got the Lexington to run on Saturday, but the girls, this field, barring something crazy, this is kind of what you're looking at. And maybe not everyone will go. We've seen defections time and time again throughout the years. But as of April the 13th, that's your field of 14 that will go to the post for the Kentucky Oaks. And then you need to make a decision of how, how sold are you on the fact that wet paint is just superior to everyone else? Or is there someone else in this field that you think has 
given you enough indication that they are ready to move forward. And not just a little bit. They're going to need to take a pretty good step forward if they're going to run with wet paint. Acknowledging whomever you you think could move forward is probably going to get the head start. That's why I keep looking at South Lawn. I keep seeing that name and I'm going, all right, well, you're going to get a head start. You're only a, a few points off already and you've paired up tops. I don't know. Why shouldn't I like you? But then I go back to when the rubber meets the road, wet paint has just dump trucked everyone that's come into her path on the dirt. So why would that day at Churchill Downs be any different? There's the view from 30,000 feet of your Kentucky Oaks contenders for 2023. Let me know in the video player beneath. Let me know in the video player. I can't even speak. The travel's starting to catch up to me. Let me know in the comment section beneath the video player on YouTube what you think about these 14 girls. And we can open it up to the idea that if any of the other big names draw in, whether it's Wonder Wheel or Hoosier Philly or Julia Shining or Punch Bowl or anybody else, if you all of a sudden would look at this field differently if they were to get into the field as opposed to dealing with the 14 that are scheduled to go to post on the first Friday in May. On uh, Friday, this Friday, tomorrow, I'm going to catch up with PTF, I think, in the afternoon after my shift is over, leading into the Makers 46 Mile, and I believe we are going to record a pod talking about the pace scenario, or the potential pace scenario, for the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby. And, I mean, just as sort of a, a teaser, would it be crazy to think that Dermasodagake goes to the front? Come and catch me. I sound like a broken record. You think you're on the best horse, and your horse has any kind of speed, use it. PTF and I will dive into that and much, much more, I'm sure. Uh, questions, comments, concerns beneath the video player on YouTube. Not in the video player, beneath it. Or you can send me a note, preferably a DM, because again, I've got a number of sort of safeguards up where I only get a handful of notifications on Twitter. Uh, at Bernie or underscore Matt is the handle. Like I said, early shift Friday, early shift Saturday, TBD on Sunday. But I will be here at Keeneland each day of the meet right through till the end. And then I will go to Churchill Downs for a few days with FanDuel TV before we get ready for Oaks and Derby with NBC. Join us the whole way on through. FanDuel TV will have all sorts of great action for you. Uh, if you play in the Grade 1 Gamble at Keeneland on Saturday, best of luck. Uh, maybe playing against you. That doesn't mean that I'll root against you. I'll root for myself. But if I can't win, I hope one of the listeners gets it done. Uh, until next week, best of luck. However you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. This is episode 156 of The Battle.